Hello, beautiful people. Today's intro is being recorded in my disheveled Boston apartment as I pack up my belongings and move to Arizona in a day. I'm so grateful, I'm so blessed, and I'm so honored to be sharing this incredible conversation that I had with my friend Julie before I left. We talk about Christianity and autism diagnosis, living on the land and living from the heart. These are the conversations that I always want to reshare with other people, and I'm so blessed to be able to share it with you right now. I'm going to get right into it. Enjoy, beautiful people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beautiful People. I'm here with my friend, Julie Hudson, and we're just going to talk about a bunch of spiritual stuff that's going to help you along your path. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. We redid this introduction because we were like, we have so many things to share. All the things. All the things. Okay. So let's go back to what does spirituality mean for you? Spirituality for me has... Um, changed over the years and um, so I grew up in a very conservative religion and was a preacher's daughter and then I got married was a preacher's wife and in that religion there was a lot of judgment a lot of comparison with other religions and it was just basically a time of I don't know if I would say ignorance but just a lack of awareness of uh, all of the spiritual facets that are available to us uh, as beings in a human body. So basically what happened for me was I noticed that I was in a bad place. I was in a relationship that I wasn't thriving in and I was turning into a very bitter person and I looked at myself one day and I said hey this isn't a very loving way to be and yet as a quote-unquote Christian I'm supposed to be nothing but love why don't I feel like I'm fulfilling that so I started praying for God to show me unconditional love and then uh, a while later my grandmother was going through the end of her life And when my mom went to take care of her, she started sending me near-death experience articles, people who had submitted their own near-death experiences to these websites. So basically, I just read all of these, and it just kind of blew me wide open spiritually. I dropped the God box from, you know, believing God is just this way to, wow, there's so much more to what we would call the creator than what I learned growing up. And I dropped judgments because I could see that people of all walks of life were having these beautiful near-death experiences and they all had that common denominator of unconditional love. And I could feel that when I was reading these accounts. It would make me cry. And I just soaked all these up like a sponge. Like I couldn't Mm. stop. And um, anyone I would try to share that with in that religion would, um, it didn't go over well, let's put it that way. And Mm. so um, I felt very alone in that. But that was when things in the the marriage got really, really bad, and I decided to leave and come out west. That's that's how I grew up. So to leave the marriage that went against your religion? Yes, it did. And yet I had started to feel unsafe in the marriage, like any day could be my last day. 
And so I knew I had to get away because I would rather take my chances out in the world than to just be, you know, beaten badly or worse and uh, or die slowly of an un an unfinished life, an unlived life, sort of like a, a broken heart for myself, mm. you know, not necessarily over any one other person, but just for me to not grow, to not experience a full life. And that spouse was my first everything, first kiss, first everything. So I hadn't even been with anyone else. And I just... It's like, wow, I don't, I didn't feel like I even knew what love was when I got married. And um, I was very sheltered because of that religion. So I wasn't allowed to date until I got off to college. So I was a very late bloomer in that way. The maturity, the emotional maturity just was not there, which led to some very poor decision making on my part. And I take that responsibility. But at the same time, you know, I um, there was something in me that just couldn't lay down and take it anymore. And uh, that was when I finally decided I have to get out of here. And I also didn't want to live a lie. Mm. Like to just try to be in love with someone that I'm actually afraid of. You know, I just, I couldn't do that. And, you know... No one's perfect. We had both made certain mistakes, but uh, yeah, I just, at that point I knew I had to leave and mm -hmm. I had to go somewhere that I wouldn't be found because I still was afraid of what he would do. Mm. So that's how I came out here. Were you afraid of what the members of the church would think? <laughs> For a while I was, but when you're backed into a corner that deeply, you figure out what you're made out of. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized that I was worth more than what other people would judge me for. And I knew, I just knew, leaving the church in this way, that I was going to lose all of my family and friends. And, uh, you know, I had to take that risk. And I did lose almost everyone from the church. I still have a relationship with my parents, which is nice. But mm -hmm. um, otherwise... Yeah, don't really um, keep in contact with anyone that I uh, grew up with or was close friends with in that religion. And I do miss them, but, you know, it's a different path now. And sometimes a new path, a more authentic path, is worth having um, different people in your life. People yeah. who will support you rather than judge you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you left and went straight to Sedona? I did. Yeah, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a couple grand saved up for my job and my car and just whatever I could fit in my car, clothes, just the basics. And uh, I drove out here thinking, oh, maybe I'll do like a yoga school or something. And so I did that for a month, a very intensive yoga course. And the irony is I had never done yoga before. Mm. <laughs> but... Um, it got me out here. It was a cocoon because I couldn't contact the outside world for 30 days, which was exactly what I needed. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, and then I ended up meeting a meditation teacher out here just by chance. I wasn't looking, but I studied with him for eight months. He taught me energy work. He taught just, you know, meditation 101, basically mm -hmm. metaphysics 101. 
and uh, that was beautiful. So I kind of fell in love with the area. I didn't even know what Sedona was before I came out here. I just drove mm-hmm. <laughs> for two or three days without stopping much. <laughs> Did you have any clarity about what was to come? I had no idea. And that's what was scary about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going to go after the yoga school was over or how things would work out or if I'd find a job here or somewhere else or, or what. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't know. I really didn't know, but I knew it was better than staying where I was. Yeah. So. <laughs> Going back to the religion, do you mm-hmm. feel that something in the religion still has stayed with you? Um, the parts of the Bible that talk about love, mm. that has stayed. Um, the belief that we are all part of a beautiful, loving creator. Um, and I believe that is in all of us, that we are that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just what I feel when I meditate and when I, um, you know, focus on that, become mm-hmm. aware of what, who am I as a being and who is this loving creator. And I just become pure awareness at that point And it's like, it's all one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, bringing anything else from religion, um, sometimes the songs come back to me and I'll change the lyrics a little bit Mm. to reflect more of a a loving vibe rather than a judgmental one or a fear-based one. Mm. Um, Because I'd say about two-thirds of them had either judgment or fear in them. Mm. So... If I want to sing one that it was just such a pretty melody, because music is my life, um, (laughs) I would just change the words around and then Mm. have a great time by myself just singing that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that, would you say that was kind of the moment that spirituality kicked into your life? Yes. When you left, moved to Sedona? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was even, um, there is a church in town that had the same title, and I remember driving into town for the first time and noticing it and it kind of struck me like whoa (laughs) I could still go but then I had to ask myself but why would I uh would there be a purpose to that and I was just so wanting to explore everything else that it didn't feel like it lined up with who I was anymore. So I decided not to to try that out and uh, decided to just, yeah, dive into the metaphysical studies and the energetic work and, um, you know, discovering more of what subtle awareness could bring me and mm-hmm. um, what kind of energies were out there. And that was fascinating to me. And also finding out about, um, you know, things like reincarnation, things that just aren't taught in the Bible um, or have been removed or, you know, however you want to look at it. But there's so many things in spirituality that are not in uh, those scriptures. Or if they are in there, it's just like a word or two. Mm. And there's not, it's not elaborated on, like, at all. So did you have to dig through layers of yourself in order to recognize the fear that was 
built into you from the moment you popped in. I I could maybe see not it. though. I could see it pretty immediately once I started focusing on, you know, how did I grow up? What what programs have been set into my my subconscious? You know, mm. and yeah, since I was brought up since uh, infanthood in the church, I was always hearing about how better make your life right or you'll pay in hell um, if you don't make your life right before you pass away. So, you know, it was all about the judgment day. And, um, What's the judgment day? Judgment day is um, supposedly when the Christ would return uh, from heaven and uh, after having been resurrected um, way back when, and uh, he would return and bring judgment so that anyone who was, um, you know, keeping their life pure and Christian-like would immediately be swept up to heaven, and then anyone who wasn't would just immediately perish and um, go straight to the flames of hell and the torment and all that. Um, so that's basically what that was. You know, if you're hearing that as an infant, you know. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a lot to, to do there. And another very interesting thing was when I signed up for that yoga school, they had me read a copy of the Bhagavad Gita, which was written before the Bible. And as I read it, I was recognizing verses from the Bible. Like little phrases or little uh, one or two sentences here and there. And that's when I knew I couldn't just forget about this. Like <laughs> something that was written before the Bible has those words. Interesting. Like this is, um, this is much bigger than I've been taught. And I owe it to myself to investigate. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild that. I mean, I wasn't really raised with a religion, but I also wasn't raised with any spirituality. Mm. So in discovering spirituality, I had to dig through layers of the stuff that was in me, mm -hmm. lodged negative beliefs, but I didn't have to reprogram my mind about religion. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. I feel is a whole other level of just human evolution and you mm -hmm. shedding the layers yeah. for the next generation that's around you to come. That's beautiful. And, you know, there was a lot of pain involved in that because when you're releasing all these layers, all these beliefs, um, until you replace them uh, with something more solid or something that resonates, aligns better with your new way of thinking or believing. Uh, there is a bit of ungroundedness, mm. a bit of like feeling like you're falling and there's nothing underneath you to catch you. Because in that moment, you question everything. Because everything you were ever taught, you're suddenly finding out is, you know, maybe these people had the best of intentions, but when you find out there could be more to this and there's just no other way around it. I mean, I just couldn't, my, my brain, you know, couldn't really process that. It took several months for me to really, really accept things. Um, because it wasn't until probably a year after I started reading the near death experiences 
that I was able to process all of this enough to actually feel okay to leave that mm. marriage, that religion, and just start over completely. I was like a new person at that point. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And did the people that were in your life that knew you as Julie, nice little Christian, were they became res- kind of astonished by who you were becoming and not comfortable around it? Yes. I remember getting um, an email by one particular person that my ex-husband and I had been friends with him and his wife and we would spend a lot of time with them and really, really loved them. And the that man um, wrote me some emails saying that, you know, whatever happened between myself and my ex-husband could be worked out and God wants us to be together and um you know there's only so big of a window of time for me to reconcile and come back and um come back to the life I know that God wants me to have and that just felt horrible (laughs) yeah and I just I remember saying out loud to the computer you don't even know what happened you know how can you sit there and tell me that I should come back. You know, Mm. it it just, it was not a very nice feeling. Yeah. And that felt judgy. I I could see where he was coming from because of the background. I understood it. And that's the thing. When I, when a group of Christians comes up to me and wants to tell me all about the saving grace of their religion and, um, you know, do I know that Jesus has died for my sins? I don't get triggered because I used to be in it. Mm. So um, I can be very patient. And um, and honestly, now I see it as such a, a one-sided conversation. And I used to engage. But at this point, I just say, you know what? Um, my spirituality is very private to me because I already know where they're going with it. So I just say my spirituality is very private to me and um, I'd rather keep that to myself at this time. I don't feel called to discuss it. And it really pisses them off (laughs) Mm. because in their mind, it's I'm going to convince someone of something rather than them being open and me being open. It's a very one-sided thing. So that's that's where I'm comfortable leaving it with those types of people. Mm. Yeah. So fast forward, now you live in Sedona Mm -hmm. and fast forward a lot and you live in a van. (laughs) Yes. So all of that happened nine and a half years ago, (laughs) 2011. So um, had a couple of relationships since then, Um, got certified in past life regression and I do meditation instruction and beautiful types of sessions. But um, so back in May of this year, uh, of 2020, I realized that I was seeing some of the same patterns in that relationship, um, my most recent one, and but it was way more subtle. So it wasn't something I picked up on right away, mm-hmm. but I realized um, there is some shifting that I need to do within myself, and I can't do that when I'm feeling constantly judged. So I decided... And for people listening... You were in a relationship that you felt constantly judged yes. by the guy. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And that was a five and a half year relationship. So 
basically I figured I should probably um, end that relationship and be on my own for a while. I didn't want to do the roommate thing. I felt like there was an intense level of deep healing that I needed to go through. Mm -hmm. um, sort of finding myself and realizing even though I had that great breakaway back in 2011, I still had that same pattern of deferring to the masculine in the relationship, um, even if it wasn't in my best interest. And so I hadn't broken that pattern yet, which is why I attracted another person that would push me into standing up for myself in a bigger way. So basically I decided since I don't want to do the roommate thing, um, I have always wanted to live on the land and I've never had a chance to do that. So I spent the first month in a tent living out of a smart car, mm -hmm. tiny little car. When you and the boyfriend broke up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I decided to trade in that car for a van because the benefits after just one month were amazing, but I just didn't want to sleep on the ground in an unlocked place anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I needed a little more security. So um, basically after just a few weeks of, um, you know, living on the land, and I was still holding down a job and everything, but I was sleeping and spending all my spare time out in nature. Um, out in between two different towns. So it was basically like not a lot of people around, which gave me the space I really needed to just let out my breath and just be for a while. Mm. Just be. And that is when nature started healing me in some huge, huge ways. So basically, um, I had couple years ago had an autism diagnosis and after just a few weeks of living on the land the social aspects of that autism had disappeared and that was huge mm. that was something I never expected and I realized I'm a new person like I still have little quirks that are related to a different wiring in the brain I'll see certain shapes in the rug or things like that or I'll still add numbers up in my head if I see them on license plates but um yeah so I know it's still wired that way mm. which is even more fascinating to me because um but I'm able to go do things that I normally wouldn't I have all this energy I have all this creative flow coming out of me um, and also right before I decided to live on the land I had chosen to choose love over fear in every decision I make which really shifted something that was the catalyst that made me realize where I was and what I wanted what I didn't want and made open my eyes to what was really going on in the relationship right before I left and uh, so yeah choosing love over fear and then choosing to go live in nature and releasing any energetic people, uh, energetic vampiric type of people from my field all at once, like doing all of that at the same time, um, I think that's what healed me. Mm. But I give so much props to nature because uh, without that, without the soothing, calming, uh, sponge-like nature of the, the forest and the trees and the land, you know, that's what really pulled it out of me and helped me release in a more gentle way mm. as far as just letting go of what was no longer needed in my life. So I really love that you, so I'm going to say this 
because maybe some people listening, they live in their houses and they're like, oh, people that live in vans, like they just must be the hippy-dippy type that are just <laughs> traveling the world. <laughs> Julie here is a beautiful woman that is gorgeous, has her shit together, it's all good. <laughs> so to choose to live in a van, I feel that there's like a lot of layers of surrender that you had to take Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, because you knew that's what you needed. Well, I knew that's what I needed, but I also realized that, you know, there are a lot of people that judge that lifestyle. But again, I had that thought that, you know, and I left that relationship suddenly. So with both of those aspects, I knew there was going to be judgment from certain people in the community. And it's a small community, so world word travels fast. But... um <laughs> But I I just knew, like, my own inner peace, which is now my top priority. How was it not before? I don't know. But now that it is, I'm worth more than what other people think of me. Yeah. And I just kept repeating that. Every time I would think, oh, is this the right thing? I'm worth more than what other people think of me. And, um, And I had to follow that intuitive guidance that came from inside. And I had to finally trust that after... 39 years of denying it and the benefits have been beyond what I could ever expect um yeah so I actually was I've been thriving more living in a van than I ever did in a house in a relationship that wasn't good for me and and all these things and now that I've been doing this for six plus months um I feel more complete with it but also um I don't feel the need to immediately stop either I feel like it's just such a great way to live especially if you're minimalist which I am um it's just a beautiful way to live and there's so much freedom in it Mm. And I'm open to the abundance to purchasing my own house, but it's made me realize like how important it is for me and for a lot of us, I think, to have our own space, our own time. Mm. Because I never made that a priority in my life. And so to share my space with someone else constantly for all these years, um, 20 plus years, I've been in and out of committed relationships. And so to have more freedom with how I live and to be established in that foundation-wise before I get into something else with someone else or whatever, um, it feels really good to have a stronger foundation like that. And that's kind of why I want to keep doing it a little bit longer, just to not only to prove to myself that I can do this, but also because... I come first now Mm. and it's not like you know it's not like I'm full of myself like oh just me just me no it's a more sustainable way to be there for other people I have to be who I am completely and sustainably and if I'm going into the world like in a non-authentic way or like if I'm not taking care of what I need as far as having my own space, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to be any good or half as good for helping other people or supporting other people because I'll be coming out 
as a, an incomplete, I'll be feeling incomplete within myself. Yeah. And if when we feel incomplete within ourselves, we start grasping for things outside ourselves, which, you know, everything we need is inside ourselves. So it's, it's important to make that distinction, I feel. Mm. Yeah. When you got the autism diagnosis, what mm. were some things that made you realize that you had it? Oh, wow. Like, so I've never heard about the license plate, for example. But oh. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, mainly it was the social aspects of, like, if I went to someone's house party, uh, I could only be there for five, maybe ten minutes before my face would just go blank. And people would misjudge that as, oh, she's stuck up or um, maybe hi. Or, <laughs> you know, or just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of judgment with that. But basically, every partner I was with, every relationship I was in, they'd say, first of all, I want other people to see that the you that I, that I see at home, because I would be different at home. If it's just one person that I'm comfortable with, then I'm, I was, you know, more outgoing. But around big crowds, I would just shut down, completely mm. shut down. <clears throat> especially if someone uh, looked at me weird or, you know, there's this social anxiety that came with the autism because the autism made me feel different from other people so much and made me um, fearful of what they would think. And I felt misjudged all the time. And um, mm. yeah, and it's not that I was stuck up or lazy or anything. I just had a hard time relating to people. And if I would try to speak about something, half the time it would come out weird or, you know, oh, that sounded better in my head or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it would take a lot of effort for me to really um, seem more extroverted than, um, than I actually was. And once again, you've got that authenticity problem like oh I'm I'm trying to be somebody else to make everyone else feel comfortable but then I'm not really being me but the the true me that could come out without these autistic characteristics was way deeper inside and so partners I w would be with would call that out and I'd start to cry like I don't know how to fix that I don't know how to bridge that gap you mm -hmm. know and I didn't know what was wrong with me but, you know, finally, after hearing that so many times, I finally started looking up social disorders. And autism was at the top of the list, and I skipped over it. <laughs> Clearly, I don't have that. Because <laughs> mm. um, I had worked with, you know, I had special job, special needs jobs in the past, so I'd worked uh -huh. with people with severe autism. So I was like, eh. Anyway, um, I went back to it though, because it was the only thing that really seemed to resonate and something inside of me was like, look into this, look into this, mm -hmm. get a diagnosis. And I was like, I don't need a diagnosis. Why would I get that? But something was pushing me to do that. And so finally, uh, about a year later, I did finally, um, seek out a diagnosis and I got um, that confirmed. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And first I was like, oh my God, I'm, I was a little embarrassed, like I've been walking around like this and I didn't even know it. And, but then I thought, you know what? I finally know what's going on with the brain's wiring. And now I can pat myself on the back. Like you were dealing with a lot. 
you know? And it made me cry tears of relief because suddenly I didn't have to judge myself anymore and I didn't have to accept other people's judgments of me anymore. Um, Mm. Yeah. And so that was huge. That was huge. And the person I was in a relationship with um, said, well, you'll go backwards spiritually now because you're assigning a label to yourself. And I said, well, that's actually not what I'm doing. I'm just honoring my body's needs while remembering who I am as a spiritual being as well. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I'm going to use that as, a, as the, as an excuse for poor behavior. Mm-hmm. So I've always stuck to that. And, um, and, you know, and now it's suddenly better because thank you land, um, living mm. on the land, like all these social aspects are gone. Like I can go to a party with really loud music, tons of people. I can look people in the eye and talk to them. I can start a conversation with a stranger if I feel like it. Um, those are things that I would never have done before. Until you started living in the van. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has to do with the circadian rhythm? Yes. What's your schedule like? I wake up with the sun Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, I'll go to bed around 9 or 10. You know, I don't go to bed at sunset or anything, but yeah, still at a reasonable hour usually, uh, unless I'm having a lot of fun with friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, normally I'll go to bed 9 or 10 and then yeah, waking up with the sun is amazing. I get up, I see hot air balloons in the sky. I thank the land, um, so much gratitude, Mm. which just starts your day off with a great vibe anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, It brings in the joy. Following the joy brings more magic, brings more creativity. All these beautiful ideas come. And, you know, I used to have snippets of ideas come to me before I made this shift, but I would never get up and do anything about it. I just, you know lay on the couch or whatever. I didn't want to do anything. I was so stagnant. So when I actually did start this camping lifestyle, I started working out four hours a day because Mm. I had all this energy to burn. Suddenly the floodgates were open. I had no resistance and I was all jittery like, oh, I got to move. I got to move. And if, if I didn't, I'd probably be an anxious time bomb. Mm. Um, (laughs) so I've cut it back now, um, a little more, but, um, yeah, I started out working out that much because there was just so much energy to move through and probably a lot of uh, emotions to process out of the body systems, Mm. you know? And so, um, and then I realized it feels so good to move. Then I started going to ecstatic dance twice a week and I could dance for three or four hours without even blinking an eye. Mm. And dancing with other people, dancing with groups of people, um, touching hands and arms and just you know, flowing with people and relating. I can't stress enough how good it feels to be relatable. Mm. Like that is the most painful part of autism, or it was for me, not being relatable. Um, It felt like I was from another planet, which is a common phrase in the autistic world. And um, I really did feel that way. Like, I don't belong here. Why am I here? But now I think the universe every day (laughs) for um, the opportunity to be in a physical body. Rather than wanting to leave the physical body, now I want to be um, as much as possible because I feel deeply that every day I'm in a physical body and I can create more love or give out more love 
vibes, whether it's face to face or from a distance, uh, I feel like that's a really powerful thing we can do for the planet mm-hmm. uh, to raise the vibrations even more. And uh, I think that's really, really important. So it's like now it's an honor to be in a body mm-hmm. <laughs> and to have witnessed this change within this this body within this wiring of the brain and within myself it's almost as if the soul and the body can finally work together like Mm. there was separation before and now it's like one and that feels so beautiful to me I'm so grateful every day Mm. do you feel that living on the land could help many people I do. I often say now that I think everyone should do it at least once. Mm. Um, It would just be an experience that builds up character for people um, and lets them remember the appreciation for nature that we all originally had when Mm -hmm. we all first came into this um, planet over these lifetimes that we've all had here. Um, just to remember the beauty, just to listen to the birds, to, um, sit under a tree, to put your hand up to a tree and say thank you. (laughs) I mean, they give us so much, you know, know. they, they make the oxygen, they sway in the breeze, they, they're shelter for the birds. It's just, I mean, there's so much that um we take for granted with nature and you know a a lot of society is has been building themselves away from nature putting themselves in boxes tall buildings uh, all in the name of um you know commerce and that's a beautiful thing by itself but also uh let's honor nature i feel like Mm -hmm. let's stop leaving our trash everywhere let's be responsible and um reverent of this gift that the planet Earth gives us in every moment, and not just physically, but vibrationally. I feel mm. like she carries a lot, she holds a lot, and she absorbs a lot of the negative energies that our emotional bodies pull in, mm-hmm. uh, because we haven't all been taught to deal with that in a constructive way. We end up frenzied and on medications and you know just not in a good space always so for that reason connecting back with the land in any way you can is an excellent idea um and if you can just yeah get a van and live on the land maybe just rent a van for a month you know and try it out um Mm -hmm. and it would be like even if it's just a little staycation right outside of the city you live, you know, just figure out where you can camp legally um, on the side of the road or on a, in a nice nature-thick um, area. <laughs> mm. And just, yeah, just go for it. Mm. <laughs> it's so amazing how you saw the benefits so instantly. I did not expect that. <laughs> and did people start to notice it? Or did you notice it within yourself just shift dynamics with human beings it was both I feel um now the first week I was still very sad about the relationship drama and all the ending of that and having to navigate through having to tell people you know um and so but after the first week there was one night where I did forgiveness work with um his higher self and then the next day it was like a sudden shift. I was a different person. 
Like mm-hmm. every everything had shifted. And um and so when I started going out and being around people, they're like, Wow, haven't seen you in like ages. Where have you been hiding? And <laughs> mm. um but I was just so excited to see people and I would hug them and be all you know, giddy and excited and like, oh my God, how are you? You know, Mm -hmm. and just totally connect with them, not just in the eyes, which is significant, Mm -hmm. looking people in the eyes, but also with the heart space. And that's when I discovered I want to live in the heart all the time. This feels too good. And I so appreciate connecting with someone's heart now Mm -hmm. because I went so long without it. And because I went so long without being or feeling relatable. And now that that's open and my heart is open because I'm choosing love over fear in every decision I make, it's just opening me to more people. And it's drawing in the kind of people that are supportive. Mm. That's the thing. Like, I don't have to go out looking for soul fam. <laughs> they seem to come to me. and Or mm. we just find each other. Natu- it just seems like naturally or synchronistically... And it flows. There's a flow mm. to it. There's not a trying or a doing. There's just be the love you are and like attracts like. Right. And it's beautiful. It's fascinating. <laughs> I feel like when we're in this human body and we're having this experience, we work on ourselves and therefore become better human beings Mm. or we project onto others. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we're not working on ourselves, we're unable to recognize the projections that are happening. So therefore we're Mm -hmm. attracting that same frequency, Mm -hmm. which is so not in this human body. Exactly. It's like, it's almost like a negative bubble that exists Mm -hmm. based on projections. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, in my growing up years, there's probably a lot of that that I did myself. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've had a lot of people do it to me, and I, I know how it feels horrible. But um, I'm sure that I had my share of doing it to other people as well. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, without, you know, meditating and really dropping into the center and uh, just observing because once you're in a meditative state, those patterns will show themselves to you. And you're like, okay, I'm here to listen. Like, show me. Mm-hmm. Um, same can be done with uh, illness in the body. You sit down, drop in, show me what you're here to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just listen and mm-hmm. get some amazing messages. <laughs> what does living in the heart look like? And what does it mean for people listening who are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Living in the heart means um, the ability to set the mind aside a little bit more often. Realizing that, yeah, the mind has its functions, but it's not meant to run the show. Mm-hmm. And the reason I can say that for certain it's not meant to run the show is because the difference between living from the logical mind and the difference from um, living in the feeling state, the following the joy, uh, you know, that's night and day. Seeing how everything flows nicely when you're following your joy and, mm-hmm. and um, being thankful every day, saying, I choose love every day. That's kind of the heart-based living vibe. And then versus, um, you know, trying to plan everything out or um, 
getting triggered when it doesn't work out the way you thought it would and uh, resisting. That's, mm. yeah, that word right there. That's the key, resisting. Um, living in the heart, there's no resistance. Mm. There's no judgment. You're, you're accepting everything as it is rather than placing a judgment or placing blame on anyone else. Mm. Um, and then living in the mind is, yeah, just pretty much the opposite of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it seems so obvious to me that living in the heart would be the best path for our experience on this planet. Mm -hmm. But it also took so much work to get there. Yeah. So maybe for people listening to this, just because I can reflect back on how I was, I just thought it was woo-woo whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, hearing about all this hard stuff, oh, this hard stuff, it's like mm -hmm. you have to feel it. Yeah. To yeah. understand. Mm -hmm. Can it be taught? It can be pointed to. <laughs> mm, like seeds planted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what um, that's what gurus do. They they and a true guru will not, you know, put themselves on a pedestal. They point to the truth, but they also insist that you have the direct experience yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, in my work with people, I'll guide them to that state. But they have to be willing. They have to be willing to open up and drop expectations and judgments. And they mm -hmm. usually do. They usually do. But to to live that way 100% every day of every moment, every moment of every day, um, that is the work. That's the work. And re rewiring the brain, uh, the patterns, and it can be done. You know, and that's why people like to put affirmations on their bathroom mirror, or um, have their favorite spiritual book by their bedside to remind them to get into that space. And but the the um, the goal would be eventually to not need those even those tools anymore to just constantly be in it without even having to try mm. because it isn't a trying state it's a state of being right. so it's and it's funny because you know we we look at our lives as okay I had all this work to shed all these layers but um, actually what the funny part is that when we give up believing that there are things blocking us from love, mm. um, they all disappear. Mm. Or when we give ourselves permission to feel this or be that instead of resisting anymore, dropping that resistance once again puts us immediately into that state. So for anyone listening who's like, oh, I don't want to do decades of work, it can be a lot simpler than that. Just focusing on the breath in and out, giving the mind a job, and then just dropping into peace. Just have that intention. I'm just going to drop into peace while I breathe here. And there's nothing to do, nowhere to be. I'm just going to observe everything. Mm -hmm. And you'll watch thoughts come and go. And it's not about getting rid of the thoughts. It's about being able to see them without judging them. And just watching the fact that they come and go on their own and once you send something love, like a something, some trigger, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Once you send it love instead, like, okay, you have permission to exist, mm -hmm. and I'm going to send you love, it actually dissipates. Mm. So that's a really uh, fast track way <laughs> to drop into the heart mm. and to be able to hold that heart space more consistently 
because when we're still holding on to all that other stuff, um, we can't be in the heart consistently. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful. Thank you. It's so important to acknowledge that this position stands in the world that everyone can join in on. Absolutely. Yeah. And people do get stuck in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is, this is a free teaching. I mean, this is like all the great te- spiritual teachers give this one away for free. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, just be. Just be. <laughs> Two words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be. Oh, I love that. Okay, so we're at 48 minutes right now. Mm. I could talk to you forever. (laughs) How can people find you? And you have a book and also your favorite book. Uh That's not your book. Oh, okay. Wow, great. Um, People can find me on HealingSoulTransformation.com. And um, you can also find... I actually have three YouTube channels. One is Healing Soul Transformations. One is Earth Garden Petals. It's a nature-based art channel. And then the third one is Bunny Nesbitt, who is an emotional healing cartoon bunny that I created. It's a series of 25 episodes. And my book is on Amazon. Uh, it's called All Labels Aside. It is the spiritual journey of how I um, integrated spirituality with autism. And then at the very end, the epilogue, don't skip that part. That's the best part. Mm. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And um, my favorite book, well, I just finished uh, a beautiful book called, what is that called? Silence of the Heart by mm. Robert Adams. Uh, it's, a, it's a book um, in the realm of non-duality. And um, I, I fully love those teachings the non-duality the just the idea that or no idea really Mm. (laughs) it's it's basically just being in the present moment of now and that can also be interpreted as heart-based living because you're not in the mind Mm. but you're also not judging the mind so love that yeah i love that (laughs) thank you julie thank you elise Thank you so much for listening. All the information will be provided in the show notes for this episode. If you have left a five-star review and comment on Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you. If you have not done yet so, yet so, please do so. It would mean so much to me if you did. I will leave the Patreon link in the bio for this episode as well. Have a beautiful day, beautiful people.